Episode 100 of South London Hardcore is recorded live on January the 5th at the Old King's Head in Borough High Street. We'd love to see you all there. Meet listeners face-to-face, Steve. And hopefully we'll have a few people who have been on the show previously so that listeners can put faces to names. Bring your questions. It will be a Q&A format. So if you've ever had any burning desire to know anything about us or the show, that would be nice to find out. If you can't make it, and you would still like to ask a question for the Q&A, send an email to southlandhardcore@gmail.com or get in touch with us on facebook.com slash southlandhardcore or twitter at slhc. Full details on southlandhardcore.com, 5th of January, Old King's Head, Borough High Street, just by the entrance of London Bridge, Tube Station, Northern Line. Yeah, walk down towards Borough High Street, it's on the left, signposted. Any Christmas shopping you're doing, go to southlandhardcore.com, click the Amazon link, and then we'll get a bit of money back. But make sure whenever you buy anything from Amazon and all your friends do, use the South London Hardcore link. Just bookmark it. Save time. Save us having to keep telling you. Going on about it. This week, Steve spoke to Sean O'Hagan from the High Llamas Stereo Lab. And Micro Disney. I wasn't able to make it. So, just Steve and Sean. Your story as a musician starts with Micro Disney. It does, yeah. Which was formed in Cork. And I'd yeah. assumed from reading about you that you were born in Cork and, and raised in Cork and that's where the band formed. But you're telling me that that isn't quite the case. No, I was brought up in Luton, Dunstable Luton, Bedfordshire. Um, early childhood was in Ireland, later school, England, and then I was brought back to Ireland when I was in my mid teens. But I never went to school there. I went straight to work when I got there. I went straight to work on building sites and various factories. And I, was, I arrived there and started tearing down cottages and rebuilding them, which is a, you know, so I didn't go to art school or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, or even in the Irish school system, which is very good on music, very encouraging in terms of getting yeah, kids no, involved I didn't, in music. No, no, none of that. No, no. But, we're, but we're talking so long ago. Yeah. We're talking so long ago. We're, we're, we are talking the 70s here. So, um, yeah. Um, and uh, so Ireland was where music started for me. That's where um, I met Carl Coughlin. And um, we pretty instantly uh, struck up a friendship and a common... Uh, a common, we had a shared interest in, um, you know, kind of radical pop music, I suppose, <laughs> as people called it back then. And this is like on the cusp of 1980, and we were talking, I was very young, and he was young, even younger. Um, and we just started, we said we we're going to form a band, and it was pretty much my business straight away. So, what sort of influences, what sort of bands and acts were you interested then, in? Um, yeah. Okay, so we're talking 79, 80. It was actually, that's where we met, the beginning of 1980. Um, and it would have been then, The Fall would have been the big one for us. My favourite band ever. There so you go. That's, <laughs> that's, that's a good choice. That's the, and then it would have been like, we, you know, the, the things that really got us going were The Fall, uh, The Mekons, probably Scrutability, um, and, you know, just Sheffield in general, Gang of Four, um, and then things like the residence, um, and then you know we, we we had then 
secondary, we'd have other, you know, obviously bits of hell, but underground. And, but then fairly close to that, sort of we, we, so, so that basically allowed us to sort of explore a very physical, visceral kind of noisy, fast also very sort of rich music. lyrically yeah. um, dealing with a lot of yeah. interesting ideas in terms of song structure and themes that you're going to yeah. be bringing in that came in later that yeah. and, and, <laughs> and the beginning was very much Carhol and, and, and very 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 um, visual storytelling um, and me and a bunch of guys kind of making a lot of noise and the, the structure and the understanding of songs came a little bit late, a little bit later, not much later, about a year later, when we got really bored of the idea of making fast, loud, edgy, angular music. It, you know, it, for us, it only lasted about a year, that maybe a year and a half. And then we discovered that we had an interest in film, an interest in, you know, like... Scott Walker, you know, the, and obviously we had a shared interest in the Beach Boys as well. And, we, and so this, and suddenly this idea of music being just about uh, the physical became a little bit... Uh, the structural aspect became yeah, much yeah. more interesting. We realised that experimenting with chords experimenting with harmony experimenting with arrangement even with just two instruments and creating space and sort of chasing melody was something that we were interested in we wanted to do and so the band changed completely it went from being a five piece touring five piece noisy band to being just two people making very strange music out in in the in in, in the west of Ireland yeah, yeah. We, we went to we made this music in very strange places in places like you know, country fairs and Mallow, carrying to Brary and places like that, as well as in Dublin and um, you know, going up to Belfast and so it was really odd. We were developing this odd way of um, putting s- melodic but odd harmony together with you know ever um, expanding. Uh, and uh, ever in, in, uh, um, intriguing lyrical content for Carl. He was massively gifted and still is. Do you think being away from big cities and away from any sort of idea of the music scene or the industry completely, yeah, gave you, gave you a freedom and space that you could develop? Completely preserved yeah. what was going on. There were a number of musicians and bands. There was a band around called Nine Attacks at the time, it then became Five Gallant at Sea, who were inspirational to us and they they benefited from that um totally yeah the um the we were i we were isolated and allowed to develop uh in, in isolation and to develop um uh, strange ideas about music uh and we were and so when we actually start to make records and start to make little seven inches and kabuki records which was a little label started up by Karis ryan who's working at rough trade records we made this, these, 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 these songs that were kind of almost like over here. There'd be hymns. Over here, there'd be kind of almost like children's songs, and over here, there'd be nasty kind of observations, and over here, there'd be uh, kind of filmic um, 
explorations, you know, they, but they were, but the one thing they weren't, they weren't what was going on. But, <laughs> you know, but we were listening. I mean, you see, the 80s was a great time for pop music, you know. We, we were big fans of, I mean, after the whole sort of, the end of the sort of post-punk radical sort of thing, you know, there was lots of great moments. I mean, and I still think Culture Club and Madness and that whole last hurrah of British pop was brilliant. Yeah, it was a real sort of mix of different elements, yeah, wasn't it? It really sort of well, obviously in. the specials being yeah, the yeah. big one from you know specials, which is amazing. Um, so you know we were kind of batting off the back of that as well, but by then our stock had kind of reached, and we and people knew about us, and it was like it was Cherry Red Records really who got to know about us, and you know they were working with people like. Marine Girls, Linus Gaza, um, you know Louis Philippe, King of King of uh, Luxembourg. What was his name? Simon Turner. All that stuff. You know all that, you know, all that crazy stuff. Um, and obviously Rough Trade. Well, yeah. You know the, the go betweens. Obviously you know, big contemporaries and obviously Smiths. Yeah. Beginning of Smiths. And so when we actually and we did the, we did after we'd been um, John Peel was. Matt, a massive fan, and was just basically, when are you going to come to England? When are you going to start recording sessions for our program? And eventually, we just picked up our instruments and literally got on a train and arrived in Kensal Green, actually, in northwest London. And you end up doing is it three sessions in the year for John Peel? We did. Yeah, no, we, yeah, we ended up doing six in the end. Right. We did six sessions. Yeah. We just. Yeah, he was a huge fan. Was huge he? A big fan. champion. And we had no money, and so every time we did a session, we got really well paid and so it was amazing it was just kind of a it was welcome on so many levels you know the um, and, and again then, that, that keeps you that gives you a bit of a buffer against having to do things you might not necessarily want yeah. to do yeah so we recorded eventually when we, we when we arrived um, we were supposed to record for um, a label that was set up with a guy called Michael Way from Cherry Red he left and wanted to start a label called Blanco Negro but that label didn't, well it did happen actually but they didn't really want to work with us and so we you know true to form Jeff Travis stepped in and said well we'll, we'll release your records and we'd had a record recorded already for, for Cherry Red or Blanco Negro and um, they stepped in and said oh it's going to it'll come out in Rough Trade so that's, that's how our relationship with Rough Trade started and you know that was fantastic by which, so we're by this time we're in England we're in, and in, in London yeah but we're in North West London but not for very long Carl's there. I'm in. I'm in Kensal Green, Kensal Rise, and um, then I briefly go to, to the Hackney. But then my first step over the river is Rotherhide. Right. And uh, the Rotherhide squats of the early 1980s. Now you probably know about these. These uh, Silver Walk. Well, there was a huge, you know, Brixton across South London. There was a, a, a sort of swathe, weren't there? Absolutely. A, a, a squatting culture, essentially. But in, in Rotherhide, was, there, was, there was literally a city of squats. So Rotherhide, uh, from the Rotherhide station on, on the uh, peninsula, so as we know, the peninsula, you can take the shortcut from Rotherhide to Surrey Keys, or you can walk yeah. the peninsula. Yeah, yeah. Well, that whole peninsula there was, um, was fronted with um, uh, 19... 1910 to 1920s uh, corporation, London Corporation flats. Yeah. The whole lot of them had been abandoned 
and they'd been emptied where, where there'd been a kind of rehousing or whatever and they were that entire how many blocks there would have been I remember now maybe ten blocks were squatted and it was very very organised squats and that's where I ended up we often talk about the, the, the sort of the fate of, of the riverside dwellings like mm-hmm. traditionally they were terrible places to live because yeah. when the city was massively industrialised it's basically a sewer that's running past your window yeah. and then they're abandoned as, as social housing sort of comes yeah. in and then eventually obviously reclaimed now and, and the idea of riverside properties sitting empty seems yeah. remarkable now doesn't it almost impossible well, we were south of the river. On the north side of the river, there was the LDDC, the London Doctors Development Committee. Thatcher's dream, you know. But south of the river, she wasn't really that worried. No. And it was just like this. She would have got rid of it if she could. Yeah, they've all got rickets over there. Yeah. You know. Um, so, but that that was, uh, you know, that, 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 that. So many things happened. You know, it was amazing, that place. I mean... Um, we talked about Olive Morris on the show before. I don't know if it's a name you're familiar with. Olive, no, I don't she know was a, 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 a sort of radical figure in Brixton. Okay. But um, one of the things she's famous for um, is this, uh, on the, the, the cover of the Squatter's Handbook. Yeah. There's a photograph of her climbing onto a roof of a building to sort of uh, mm-hmm. claim it. And that became sort of synonymous with the movement for a long time. So, it's, yeah, it's a huge tradition in South London, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, you moved in, and when you moved in, another group of people would say okay we'll get your electricity turned on and they and they basically rigged up some kind of which was highly dangerous yeah hook it into the grid and, yeah, yeah. Grid. Um, and uh, the uh, what else the the um, you probably I don't, we're straying off it a bit here but when we while I was in uh, Rotherhide for that one year and we went through a particularly harsh winter um, the convoy now your listeners might know of a thing called a convoy night convoy is a very very big thing in the early 80s and it was basically a, a travelling band of hippies basically of uh, an- a radical anarchist punks and hippies and they used to basically travel throughout the country and they'd always meet at the, uh, for the summer solstice at Stonehenge right. and they'd always have a battle with the police right of course it was fenced off the convoy yeah, yeah. and for, for the early 80s the, the, the papers the sun and where, where they were always basically following the convoy and uh, the convoy always basically hold it. They came to in, in the depth of winter. They came to Rotherhide squ- Rotherhide squats. That's where they they parked up. It was just amazing those sort of thought. And I think about that. And I remember walking down the road one day, and there was two very fat policemen, and I had a guitar. I was on my way to rehearsal, my producing, and uh, these two fat policemen. <laughs> <laughs> a horrible thing to say, did it? But it was like it was just like a, it was just like. A cliche. Yeah. They said, you've got the, you've got a guitar. Have you heard about the convoy then? And they were literally, had been sent down to... Um, track down the convoy. Track down the convoy, you know. To, 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 and, and they were using all their detective skills. So just to and, I say, and I said, uh, are you part of the convoy then? I said, no, I'm not part of the convoy. Um, well, what are you doing then? I said, oh, you're, you've got a guitar there. Are you a hippie? And I said, no, I'm off to rehearse. Where are you rehearsing? I'm in Camden Town. That's a very long way to go to rehearse. Are you sure you're not part of the convoy? <laughs> I thought, is this the best they've got? Yeah, yeah. I'm one person. I can't be a convoy. <laughs> what else went on down there? They used to make uh, uh, horror films. Because, oh, right. Because on the, on the front, all the um, old warehouses were still there. And it was still intact. It was still wrecked. So you've got space. And then, the, yeah, there was space. And yeah. there was the odd 
beautiful Regency house. And uh, American film companies used to come down and just basically shoot, uh, you know, cheap kind yeah. of London horrors there. Rather than build a set of a ruined house, go yeah. to a ruined house. So there you go. That's, that's Rotherhide. Fantastic. Yeah, so, uh, so that's my first step into South London. And then, then, I was, and then I was out of South London. Well, I was back up west, actually. went to Wilsden for a while. And, that, and then Wilsden and Hammersmith, that was a few years when I actually had quite a lot of money. Uh, I, I, I treated myself, but not to. But yeah, by the end of the eighties, um, by nineteen eighty, uh, eight, eight, nine, I was in. Um, I came down to Peckham, right? Came and that was as uh, Mike Disney yeah, finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah Mike Disney finished, and I came down to Peckham, and I, and I just, I bought a flat around the corner, in um, right next door to the Garrett pub, in fact. Oh, right, and that's. That was my first, and that was it. And so you arrived, and I've been in Peckham since. So Mike Disney finishes. Yeah. Um, you and couple go your own way. Mm. Um, he goes on to form the Fatima Mansion. Yes. Yeah. You start the High Llamas, and we will certainly be talking about that. But I'd like to talk about um, another musical project you went yeah. on to work on for a long time, actually, um, which is Stereo Lab. Yeah, yeah. Which, in my very cursory knowledge of them, and enjoying uh, a lot of the work, I always assumed it was, uh, and it, I know it wasn't, an Anglo-French mm. uh, production, but I always thought it would have been uh, sort of 50-50. But it seems like it was very London-centric and certainly South London-centric. Yeah, I mean, the whole, it, Brixton and Camberwell, basically. Right. And uh, Letitia was in Brixton and Camberwell when, they, when Tim and Letitia formed the band. Um, I think McCarthy was still going just about when they when they sort of had got the idea of Stereo Lab. But it was very much Brixton and um, Campbell. They never really moved much beyond there. Um, I first saw them in the, uh, on the Campbell New Road. Um, pub on the corner. Is it the Union Tavern or what was it? Big pub on the corner. I know the one you mean, yeah. It's, it's huge, isn't it? Yeah. It's like lovely sort of frontage. I think yeah. it might be the Union Tavern. Yeah, it might yeah. be the Union Tavern. I saw, saw, I saw one show there and I saw one show in a place called the Sausage Factory, which is up in Camden. Um, Morning's in Crescent. But um, pretty much after the third time I saw them play, I was asked to join the band because Nick, keyboard player, had decided to leave and they needed someone to step in really quickly. And... Um, I, I, you know, I was really excited. Your role would probably best be described as multi-instrumentalist. Yeah. It seems like on every album, it's like yeah. whatever they need. They're sort yeah. of like, we'll see if uh, Sean can. Yeah, um, I, I think I think did I start playing the keyboard straight away. But what happened was they made Peng, and they were going to make Space Age Bachelor Pad music, and they basically said, "Come in the studio." And uh, the studio was. Uh, Protocol, which is up in High Stop Holloway Road, and I went in, and it we we had great we had a great great time making this record. It was very different for me working with those people, Tim and uh, Andy and everybody from the lab, um, Leticia and Mary Hanson, and because it was I'd come from my days where we were very pretty organised. And we would we we'd, we'd been AR'd by we've been on rough trade we've been on Virgin we've been around the world we had it was very a bit of a bit of a pop thing you know yeah, yeah. ended up like that whereas they they were like a collective you know? yeah and it was about the the actual 
production of the music was very much about um, Tim and Atisha's songs, which everybody could contribute to, and it was a more very instant, it all happened in the studio, it was idea, every idea was listened to and every idea was tried, and lots was recorded, and then in, in, in mixes, you just threw stuff out, put spring, brought stuff yeah. in, so it was like, um, it wasn't like that kind of classic thing, or let's, we, we write the song, we've got the arrangement, now we just go and do it, it was much more experimental, and it was really good fun, it was very different for me, and um, I had a great week with them. Um, making this record, Space Age Fashion Academy, which uh, I think is still a great record. Um, oh, yeah, tremendous stuff. Yeah, and, uh, and, uh, and that was it. Then I was like, just touring with them. Yeah. You know, playing a, playing a, a, a cheap little 60s far feast through an amp and having a great time. <laughs> yeah, it was really wonderful. And then I stayed pretty much, I toured with them as, as a member for a year. Then what happened was the Lamas because I'd made Gideon Gay about roughly about the same time that the Lamas started to become uh, you know established and like known so you had less time to do the stereo yeah. stuff and obviously you want to yeah. do your own stuff as well yeah but every time stereo Lab made a record I was, I was in the studio with them as, as an arranger or playing keyboards yeah as I say it seems like your role would would change, change from record yeah. to record so it would be playing these instruments here uh, string arrangement from time string, to time, brass, brass arrangement, played some bass playing. here and there, played piano, played some um, oh uh, oh lots of things you know you know lo- loads of loads of different. One of my favourite tracks yes. is "Ping Pong" yeah. from uh, Mars Audiatic Audiac uh, Quintet. Yeah. Um, the video looks to me like it was filmed. In a tower block in Campbell. I think it was. Yeah. I was going to say I don't know if you remember. Uh, I wasn't. It, I, I wasn't part of it. Oh, you weren't there. Okay. I wasn't there. There's no, a guy playing a, key, a keyboard yeah. on a couch with a blue blanket around him, but he's yeah. wearing sunglasses and he's in the background. Yeah. So I was like, you're trying to work out, but it's it's impossible. No, I didn't. I didn't get into the video. Um, I don't know why. Why I was probably touring alarms or something like that at the time. Now that was. I mean, that was actually recorded in Blackwing Studios in um, Borough, just uh, south of uh, Southwark Bridge Road. Where we recorded it um, um, after 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 protocol, we moved to Blackwing, and that was it. We moved in Blackwing for years and years and years. Um, yeah, I remember that. I remember very much the, the brass section, recording the brass for that. You know, the people we, we brought in. And yeah, yeah, got yeah. There was uh, you know, my my personal favourites among the Sarah Love catalogue is is. Uh, that album, Emperor Tomorrow Ketchup, and Dots and Loops yeah, yeah. Uh, as a three, and uh, songs like Miss Modular, yeah. uh, La Iper Sound, would that be the correct? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've only ever seen it written down. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, do you know, I don't know. I don't know what the correct <laughs> pronunciation is. But yeah, it's a, a tremendous time, and just really lush musically, yeah. that's what I love about it, and, and, and from hearing you talk about it, you can, it was you can understand. We were, all, we were all helping each other, we were all borrowing, we were all playing on each other's records, Andy Ramsey from Stereo Lab was playing on High Lama's records, and then we were all heading off to Chicago, because we'd, we'd formed a, 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 a very close working relationship with um, the guys from Torcus. Yeah, they John, uh, John McIntyre yeah, and, yeah, and Johnny has done production and, work on Stereo Lab records. And he made, well he made made him he produced the, the um, Dotson Luke yeah, yeah. you know and obviously yeah and, and, and uh, 
so he, so John's input, John's ideas, stuff we learned in Chicago. We were bringing it back to South London, and and lots of things were going on at that time. We were working with people like Cornelius, Pitcock Five. They were sending tracks over. We were finishing them. We were remixing, and all that was happening, like in Camberwell. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We were in little houses in Camberwell. And yeah. Lots of you know. So that was all. Yeah, it does seem like a, a group. That, as you say, it's members good. would go and guess and other things. Mm. Other people would come in to guess on mm. other things. Really, mm. sort of uh, fertile in the sense of yeah. And, and and a lot of the the ideas and the a lot of the um, we used to for a while um, during that time we, we gathered in a place called the Hermit's Cave pub in um, Motwell. Yeah, and that's where we, we we spent a lot of time there right. talking about ideas. And a lot of people came to that pub. To meet us about things, a lot of music journalists came down and did, did um, interviews there, and bands would come down and meet there. I remember the Tall Dwarfs coming down there from uh, from, from New Zealand, uh, what they so flying nun, the flying nun bands. They were all they'd come down there, and the pet that pressure of emotion would be down there, and you know it was very, it was a really it became like a hub. Sort it of was thing. a hub. Yeah, it, it was a really important. You know, the thriving little community, and um, so lots, yeah, lots of stuff we do. But 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 also a lot of touring. I mean, Stereo Lab was spending a lot of time in America, and then coming back from America to Campbell and you know, just knuckling down and writing again and doing stuff again. But uh, yeah, it was basically happening in Campbell and Beckham at the time. Fantastic. Yeah. And as you say, while you're working with Stereolab, you've mm. got the High Llamas, which is mm. your project, but again, it grows and becomes a band, essentially. Mm. Yeah, well, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, it was always, I was always a songwriter, and, but I had, a, you know, a group of people around me, John Fell, who was in my group, isn't he, and um, <clears throat> Rob Allen, and, um, you know, I mean, Tom Fenner was, was with us for a while, Anita Visser, who was from California and went back to California eventually, um, Marcus Holdaway has been, you know, playing. Marcus and I have worked together for like twenty-eight years. And Marcus was living in the North Peckham State, and then, you know, he was very much a he was a, a punny boy who came to Peckham and we stayed. He stood in Hollydale Road. Um, so yeah, it was a yeah. I was the songwriter, but I gathered these people around around me. Yeah, we'd rehearse in various... I remember for a while we were rehearsed in a wonderful little place called the Intergalactic Rehearsal Room off Walworth Road, right. which was a strange little hippie community. And it's gone now, it's well gone. In fact, the street's gone. And it's... Da, 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 East Street, off the Walworth Road, East Street, take a left. And that's where it was just down oh, there. Okay. And then after that we moved to the music room, in, um, uh, which is still there, in uh, New Cross. Right. The uh, library, the old library, musical library in New Cross, which is you know it's been there for many, 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 many years, and it's, you know, and we were we were based there for oh ten years, yeah, just gear and rehearsed in there every single day. And the High Lama seems complementary to work in Stereo Lab in that there's a lot of orchestration, a lot of layering, but again, very lush, very yeah. rich musically. I mean, if you listen to Dots and Loops, you listen to um, Colton Bouncer, you'll see that we've obviously been working each other's records, you know. And um, I, th- I like it when that happens. I mean, you can go back in time. You can go back to the crowd rock days, and you can listen to the you know cluster record. Then you listen to Noi, yeah. And you realise that they 
the, 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 the uh, members are sort of um, it's a community rather than a scene, yeah. isn't it? They're commuting to each other's bands, yeah. and you go to Roxy Music, and then Roxy and Mott the Hoople would have been sharing something at one point. You know, David Bowie and and and, and Iggy Pop. You yeah, know, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, it's you know, you realise these people work on each other's records, and they. Um, uh, Basically, sometimes you're making the same record, you know. I don't know. I mean, it was like Lou Reed obviously just 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 died, and um, people, and then you know, Transformer like was produced by David Bowie, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. you know, a lot of people would say, so you know, was that you know that was you know, it's just it's just interesting, you know. It's a Reed record, but it was a Reed record with very much with a David Bowie input. Yeah, so you get a, a sort of filter or a screen yeah. over here that gives it a different sheet. Yeah. Mm. On Gideon Gay, there's a track called "The Goat Looks On," mm. which I've been given to understand is about Dulwich Hamlet selling part yeah. of the ground to Sainsbury's. It's when they. It's when they. It's when Dulwich Hamlet's way way back. You know, like most football. You know when the football clubs were, uh, they had land and they were, they had um, access to land and they realised at a certain point when London started to expand and you know the, the whole eighties, London's property credentials exploded. They were suddenly sitting on investment, and you know how many times has that happened? It happened at Crystal Palace. It's happened. Yep. You know, everywhere that supermarkets need space, and they needed to build in. You know, in, 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 in get, come into people's communities and plant themselves there. So yeah, I remember it being built. Century's been built, and I used to watch the the uh, construction. But I used to watch a goat who actually lived just at the flats on the hill. Actually, you got Dock Hill Hill, and then you've got the little all that adventure playground. Yeah, and you got that little bit of land. There was yeah, a bit yeah. of land. Um, and there was a goat there. There was a goat there, yeah. Right. And you watched the whole thing. <laughs> I used to watch the goat on the bus. Yeah. At 176 or going up the hill, I'd watch the goat. Because the, goat the goat's the a figure that turns up throughout the album, isn't he? But yeah. I didn't realise he was uh, yeah. based on an actual Dulwich goat. Yeah, a goat, yeah. Dulwich goat. He lived, he lived on the... Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the goat looks on, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and I remember somebody... One, somebody well, I think one of the music journalists... And me was living in Canada at the time, and she suddenly twigged what it, what it was, and she very excitedly rolled on there because I know that goat, I know that goat, I know the goat. <laughs> For a while, there was the most famous goat in pop music. It was, yeah, it, it had, a, had a, it had its moments. <laughs> um, and you were saying you like to uh, visit Dulwich yourself? Yeah, we go down. Yeah, because I, we, we all go down in the family. Like Finney's a Tottenham fan, I'm an Arsenal fan, but we both. We both go down to dirt to the Hamlets whenever we can. When Tottenham are playing or Arsenal are playing, or it's a similar thing with me and Jack. I'm a West Ham fan. He's a yeah. Spurs fan. But through Dulwich, we've got this this yeah. neutral ground that we exactly. can all uh, yeah. Yeah. agree on. And it's just really good. It's just a great laugh. It's just really nice because it's such a great community atmosphere down there. A lot of the people, a lot of the dads from the various schools. I mean, we're not at any um, primaries now, but because the kids have left primary, but um, all the dads from the primary would. Go down there, and you, and I still see the people I used to like primary school at the football. Yeah, um, and you'd see lots of 
people from all sections of the community in um, uh, in, 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 in East Dulwich and Peckham, whatever, you just see them down there. In fact, I saw this, this fella who I, there's this, oh, this wonderful guy called Mitch, um, who was, uh, who had multicoloured dreadlocks, and uh, he, I, I saw him, I said, that's got to be Mitch, who used to be the uh, Mekon's roadie. Right. Many right. years ago, back in the 80s. But yeah. But he's, he's not, he, he doesn't look old enough. I mean, he looks, and uh, one day I, I approached him, I said, you're not Mitch, from, uh, he used to work with John Langford many, and he said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to know each other very well. And, then, and now I was, I was looking at Mitch at a distance, you know, at Dulwich Hamlet's for a good six months before I walked up to him. <laughs> but he's just aged well. He's aged very, very well. <laughs> Mitch has aged very, very well. Um, but it's just great fun. And the, yeah, it's the, quite, it's a, it's a tremendous match day experience, yeah, isn't it? You have um, the, the rabble behind the goal the, with the, the banners. Junction, and yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's just very good fun. And, um, oh, get up to it. Of course, yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so we were talking about the, the Dulwich Hamlet yeah. match day experience. Yeah, oh, it's just wonderful. It's just amazing. Did were you at the match where all the um, <laughs> the the, oh, the the club the club that Dulwich is allied to in um, Hamburg is a small oh, Altona. Yeah. Yes. Well. Were yeah, you? we did. We, there oh. was the uh, tooting game last season, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, we actually we did an episode on Dulwich Hamlet around oh. that game. Okay. And we spoke to. The guy from Altona, but he didn't want to be okay. recorded because he, he, he was claiming that his English wasn't good enough and it was absolutely, absolutely yeah. perfect. But he gave us a fanzine and yeah, yeah, it's tremendous the sort of, not only community outreach they do locally, but as you say, internationally, they sort of find it's these terrific. complimentary mm. places. And I love the bar. I just yeah. love the bar. I yeah. just love the atmosphere in that bar. It's just like, well, it's we like did a bit of lost... But it's just also the fact that, you know, we did the episode and we were talking to... A uh, friend of ours, Mishy, who's very involved in the club, writes for the mm. website Interviews of Players. And uh, we said to Mishy, um, is there any chance we could talk to one of the players? Mm. And he was like, yeah, they're over there. And <laughs> just pointed to a corner. And we went up to Erhanos uh, Tuma, yeah. who's, you know, a, 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 yeah. I'm sure you know, a tremendous mm. footballer and a lovely guy. Yeah. And we talked to him and he, you know, uh, talked so uh, well about the club seem to have a genuine affection and that seems to come across as well the people who associate with the club not and not just fans mm. but you know the, the the players themselves seem to have a great deal of affection mm. for one another and yeah it's a tremendous thing that's mm. happening down there at the moment it's terrific yeah I mean at the end of last summer obviously just before they were promoted we were we were even <laughs> we were even going to away matches we were heading <laughs> Leatherhead did you go to Leatherhead um, no we went to Hearn uh, Bay and oh, where else did we go? Hearn Bay, one mile other. Fitz will tell me. I can't remember where it was. Um, but um, and it was just they were great, great days out and really good football as well. It's a, a pleasure to watch for that they level. Play, yeah, those guys, they they're remarkable because obviously, you know, yeah, they play, they play on the ground on the deck. Yeah, yeah. They, they play on the deck. And as I say, Ostuma technically is just an incredibly gifted player. Unbelievable, Harry. Unbelievable, unbelievable. And similar to Messi in that, you know, the the idea is you're supposed to worry about players at level, particularly players mm. like himself that aren't the biggest, mm. because they're gonna get clobbered. But you're chasing shadows. He's yeah, so quick yeah. and so smart, yeah. you're not gonna be able to get close to him. So yeah. And he gives hundred percent every time. So. Yeah, his his work rate in terms of tracking back and covering yeah. is is something to behold. And Big Phil still there. Oh yeah. Another album that seems very 
much associated with South London um, is Beat Maze and Corn yeah. from 2003. Mm. The cover itself mm. is yeah. a picture of the Elephant Castle. Indeed, yeah. Um, the artist? Did... Jeremy Glogan, who lives just down the road. Right, I was going to say. And it was, it was it a commission you made or an existing Yeah, piece? I just had this idea that I, I wanted the Elephant and Castle to be painted as if it, as if it was Paris in 1955, you know? Yeah. In that kind of slightly splashy impressionism that you'd find on uh, chop. On, on, on sweet tins and you know kind of crockery from the 50s um, and so that was the idea you know that, that kind of uh, slight the elephant castle as an impressionist painting um, and it worked and then with this fantastic bit of kind of Warner Brothers cartoon sort of um, text in, in, in the titling um, yeah and, the, and he, you know Jeremy's just absolutely terrific and he, and he does a great job um, yeah but it is it was I mean the kids were small when we made that you know and, and, and I was it's a, it's a very empty record it's not it's, it's very woody lots of the strings are just dry and very much in your face and the brass is, is thick and there's lots of group singing it's not really kind of a I think we've ever made a rock and roll album, but it's the least <laughs> rock and roll album we've ever made. And it's almost like I don't know what I was thinking of. I was thinking I was listening to a lot of, and I still do, still do listen to a lot of things like um, I don't know, I don't know, Frank Bridge, Benjamin Britten, you know, like twentieth century kind of you know tonal modernist music, yeah, and that kind of austerity um, in arrangement. And I kind of wanted to just grab a bit of it, but then. Absolutely, all everything, or I can't, you know, all the songs. It's because I was I was here, I was living where I was living, and I just realised I always, I've always written about what's around me, but I really was because I wasn't really going very far because the kids were small and I was just like, of course, yeah, you can't be tall, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it was a very, very, you know, the, the Walls River is the Walls Road, yeah, or, or, yeah, and you just when that was. You know, and uh, just sitting, literally writing a lyric on a on a bus as you're sort of looking at it, kind of. So I'm going to write, literally looking at the street and looking at the the um, the stuff around. You know, not not the beautiful stuff. The, there's the ugly stuff as well. You know, getting that and that flat back and flat pack and binding and you know we can't deliver down the walls river you know, and, you know <laughs> stuff like that um and um and also Greenwich the Greenwich Peninsula just just as the dome once the, when the dome was built it was going it was abandoned the dome was built then abandoned yeah and for a while it was that great ma- ma- magical time when there was nothing around the dome it was still the wasteland was still there the British gas wasteland was still there just with the structure. With the structure. Yeah. And I used to spend a lot of time down there. Remember when the, do you remember when the submarine came? The Russian submarine came? Oh, God, yeah. And, yeah. And, and docked. I used to go up there all the time to yeah. get a look at the submarine. And, um, yeah, a lot of lyrics were about about, about the, there, that, that part of the river, being, being down in Greenwich and uh, just looking out to sea. And it felt a bit, a little bit wild and odd. I remember going down there with some very good friends and we, we just parked up. A camper van there and little fire, you know, just it's fantastic, you know. <laughs> uh, and now obviously now it's uh, yeah. restaurants and yeah. transport links, and yeah. you couldn't get close to it, sort no, of thing. So. Get close to it, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. 
Um, yeah, so yeah, that, that, the lyric, lyrically, that was uh, very much about London, about South London. Um, Leaf and Lime, the House of Leaf and Lime was at the BBC. Right. Going off the BBC and on the various occasions when I've, you know, we've been, you know, over the years I've done a lot, lots of stuff for BBC. But I remember going up to do Ned Sharon's show, um, Loose End, several times, and just really loving the experience of going up there on a Saturday morning and um, going into the, 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 you know, the old uh, reception at the BBC in um, Portland Place. And, uh, and the, the, the kind of strange interior, which hadn't really changed in years. I just, you know, so that's it was sort of curved architecture, yeah. wasn't it? A very yeah. old sort of building. But, but, but once you went inside, the Warren of corridors was just amazing. And little studios here and there. And, and you know, they, the, the history that those corridors have. Oh, absolutely. Like, who hasn't walked through there? Exactly. You know, that's, yeah. you know, world leaders, mm. film stars. Yeah. You know. But it's not slick. You know, <laughs> it was just like, you know, quite grubby. It's little a workspace, group. isn't it? Yeah. This is the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, which is amazing, you know. Um... um there's a track on there called Callaway, which again yeah. I've been led to believe is about sort of Peckham and it's it's right, right down the bottom of the road. It's um um it's literally I mean if you go down the bottom of Shewitt Road now, Shewitt Road is crossed by Peck by Bellenden Road, yeah. and on the one corner you've got Review, which is a little sh- uh, um, bookshop which has been there for five six years. It's a wonderful little bookshop, and then. You've got the Wishing Well, which is now the Victoria. Was the Victoria, then the Wishing Well, now it's the Victoria again. Then you've got this restaurant, which was various things. It was a pizza place for a while. It's now the Begging Bowl, which, of course, is a Michael Disney song. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle. Yeah. I, I'm sure they don't realise that, but there is. And, um, you should tell them just get a few oh, free meals on it, I think. I should tell them. I, I won't inform the lawyers, but mm. I will need a start. Mm. So... Um, yeah, and you know, uh, there ought to be some trees, there ought to be some green reddies for corners of me, the trees ought to be seen. You know, it's literally just about that down there. Yeah, you know, yeah. And I don't mind. I just used to go down there and I used to say, one day this corner is just going to look great. And it actually, and it does, it looks amazing. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, that down there is amazing, that little strip down there, because, okay, you know, it's a little bit cheesy, a little bit gentrified, you know, the wall not torn, there's, you know, a couple of good, you know, several cafes. But actually, there's there's something that's retained. I mean, the chip shop's still there. Right. That, which is amazing, that chip shop, and the guys running it are amazing. Um, you've got Payless, which is now called the... the, the what happened to Payless was the, um, Hussein, one of the guys from the cafe, um, moved from the cafe and, and bought the franchise and now runs the supermarket and it's brilliant because he's such a great guy and he and he it's weird he's got the balance exactly right it's still a little local kind of supermarket though, down the bottom of the road where you go down to get the um, you know get some milk if you milk want a bit of bread and but he's like I'm going to make this he's so he's such a great guy and he's just brought in Really good fresh vegetables, and he goes, "I know that I know you want this. I'm yeah, going to bring yeah. it in." And he brought, it. and he, and there's such fun in that shop. There's so much fun. Nobody goes in there and just pays and walks out. Everybody goes in there because there's you know loads of couple. One of the, the lads is a Chelsea fan, and another 
Hussein's a Tottenham fan. Everybody's just talking about the football in there. So by just changing, or well, not even changing, but just sort of recognising the change around him yeah. and adapting to it, yeah. they've kept the spirit of the place, the but managed to build on what's happening around them and, and become mm. a success. It's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, he's always been successful, but he's just made it a place that everybody wants to get. I mean, literally, when we, we some guys sort of go down the pub and some people I know, we'll come out at half twelve, we'll go into the shop, Buy a bar of chocolate, just stand and chat <laughs> for another twenty minutes. You know, it's, it's just brilliant. And um, where else? There was are they gone now? But Chad's the hair Jeff Dresser, he was there for years and years and years. He's, he's sold up and gone. But um, but then his new people like Isabel with the chocolate shop. She's great. She's been there for like seven years now. The cafe's still there. The dog parlor's still there. The office across the road is still there. There's you know there's there's some amazing thing. There's Matt who runs the um, radiator shop, who buys old radiators and sells them. He's been there for years, and so you know that it's just great. Down there. You know, yeah, it's like <laughs> when people come visit me, especially Americans. You know, sometimes Americans don't have that because they live in mall culture. Yeah, absolutely. It's like everything strip of shops that are all identical. It's all unless you live in New York. Everything, right. you know. You know, it's a car for everything. Yeah, like, obviously yeah. Chicago, New York, you know, they have a bit of that, but they don't. And when they come to visit, and you say, "Oh, we need this," and so we'll just go out and get it, or we'll just go, and they just say, "This is amazing." We just walk out of the house; it's just there. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> so I always, always love that. And you walk right down the bottom of Schumer, and, it, and you've got the um, West African Market. Yeah, yeah. And um, well, this is it. You're not far from Raleigh at all. No. Because, you know, no, so much along there in terms of like fresh fruit and fresh meat and yeah, yeah fish. it's unbelievable um, and then you know it's, I mean it's just like so much and then you go over to his Dulwich and his Dulwich <laughs> is just like very different <laughs> yeah I, I moved in just as the change started to take yeah. I was sort of behind Lordship Lane yeah and uh, sort of was there as it transitioned into what people think of as, as East Dulwich now yeah yeah oh, it's still great I mean um, Actually, I went to, there's a the thing I went to on Tuesday night on the upstairs. There's this wonderful little um, folk choir that happens there. And it's just a run by this woman called Amy. I don't know her second name, just Amy Scottish. Amy and Is that the East Irish Tavern? Or? East Irish Tavern yeah, upstairs, yeah. Tuesday evening. Right. Yeah, about 20 people just stand in a circle and sing kind of Suffolk hymns. Fantastic. And Kent hymns. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you, if you want to go down, you just go down on Tuesday and sing. <laughs> and Joe sings in a she sings in the Lewisham Choral Society so that's down in Lewisham that's where they rehearse and they sing in Goldsmiths or in St Mary's Church in Lewisham big old gothic church in Lewisham I think I like yeah so you know a lot of singing as well <laughs> and your latest project is very Peckham centric yeah because well yeah I mean the last so yeah, after we made some corn and we made single can cladders and then we made tire we wave and these and it, you, you kind of make these records where you're trying to make what you're trying to do musically. You know, I talked about kind of 20th century sort of modernism and and then you want to do everything sometimes. You want to have a bit of that, but you also have want to have a bit of the um space for the impressions. You know, you you want to if I could bridge the two. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's that's that's, that's perfect. You know. Um, and you know, I, I got a little bit because because the music industry is changing and it's very hard to make a living. And you know, I, I kind of 
I was so I was slightly affected by Tower Only Way not getting any attention in the UK and it did really well in Japan go to Japan a lot you know right we go to Japan a lot yeah the Lance <clears throat> there's a massive audience there for us and well, my, my friend was saying the other day um, in Japan the record industry mm. is still 70% physical and 30% download yeah they buy it they which buy is it. remarkable they in, in the year 2013 they love stuff yeah, yeah. so yeah. when we go there we bring loads of stuff and sell it to them right of course and we talk about we tell them about Peckham and they love that as well. We talk about Peckham a lot in Japan. They love it. Anyway, um, but anyway, I was not back a bit about Tallahassee Whale. No, I, I thought it was a genuinely good record. And um, um, and so I've, I just went and walked away from it for a while, to yeah. be quite honest. But then I had this, you know, I, I really wanted to make this. I said, okay, well, the next time I work, it really is going to be about where, where I live. And so I decided to write something called Here Comes the Rattling Trees and basically I thought you know I just I've been here for many years I've met I've just gathered so many stories and and I decided to um, through the uh, through this kind of little device and the, um, to tell six stories um, that you know I've sort of gathered over the years and one story is about um, Plumber um, and the story is actually about Gardner but I've changed the Gardner to a Plumber his kind of strange employee, employers in, in Wimbledon. One story is about um, this woman who's got a book club, you know, Telegraph Hill, you know, she's got a book club, but she's very unconfident and she's actually got, um, so it's really about her being not a confident woman yeah. and feeling as though her peers don't appreciate her. One story is about running, because I run a lot and I had this experience when I visited my sister in Australia where I actually got lost in the. Um, I live in Canberra, which is in the bush, and I actually went out running in this what I thought was a city, and I went in, actually went out in the bush. One story is about um, this: the woman who ran the cafe at the Pulse Centre in um, in uh, uh, Peckham Pulse in in, in in Peckham, but down by the library, she's the cafe owner, which is now closed down, I'm afraid. Um, anyway, six stories from six different people, and the idea was that they were going to be told by this girl called Amy and she's leafleting in, in Peckham Square and what's happened is the, um, the, the Peckham Pulse which is local authority has been taken over by a, you know, a fancy new um, independent uh, leisure company and it's not Peckham uh, Leisure Centre it's now called Step Tempo and uh, she's basically there's, they're, they're relaunching and she's part of the, the PR exercise and she's um, canvassing opinion. She's leafleting in canvassing opinion. So she's a temp, and uh, so she's not really committed to the project, um, the project but she's just temping, but yeah. she's leafleting. And that's just a device whereby she, le- she, she has six conversations, and during each conversation, the person that she encounters with the leaflet eventually tells a story. And you know, and once, and you know, so that, and I've just gone through all the stories, you know, the, the various stories. One story is about a guy who was, you know, who's he 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 he, was, he has a story about the decorating company he started as a, as a as a young man, which was a slightly odd odd decorating company. But uh, but I wanted to tell his story because he was very much somebody who's sort of been kind of made literally 
made unemployed through digitisation. Right. You know? His role doesn't exist anymore. Doesn't exist yeah. anymore. Yeah. And, you know, he's kind of slightly bitter and slightly angry. But he talks about the um, the health centre and you know soft play, bringing his kids to soft play and swimming pool, and so everybody has something to say about it. But then they talk about themselves. So it starts off being about the place in Peckham, but yeah. it turns into a wider thing about. Yeah, and things. Amy, the girl with the leaflets, has a story, and she's she's she doesn't know Peckham. She's just come. She's like come over from Tooting, in fact. Uh, but she's she's doing a TEFL course, and she, this is her temp. And uh, so her, uh, and then she she talks about her childhood because she's not sure that she should be on this course, and she realizes that she's running away from things. And so she, but she talks about her childhood as being a fond memory. And each each character has tells a story, and it's, it's, it's about memory and recalling stories. Really, Jackie talks about the um, she's the, uh, the manager of the, the cafe. She talks about the square pen square in, in pre-1925 and it was the basin canal basin yeah. and sorry canal so she talks about that her being a little girl in the, in the, in, in the late 40s and yeah, how do you so. see it formatted I'm going to see it as a narrative piece is it a well, play will there be music involved or? no very much music right it's all I mean so the reason why I wrote this was because rather than I, I said well I've you know obviously it, it, this is a device to write music and so I'm going to write these songs but instead of it being kind of another record or whatever I, I really want it to happen I actually want it to be a narrative I want it to be presented so it's a performance so it's, so it's going to, it was going to be performed by like seven actors but I can't afford that so it's going to be two actors reading and a male and female actor and Amy does appear as the um, as the uh, uh, protagonist but Amy obviously is played by the female actor and she multi-roles as well. So they don't have conversations. What they do is they insinuate a conversation. So Amy does come on and um, she and she has her conversation with the audience. And then when the next character, uh, which will be a male character, will talk about the conversation he's just had with Amy. Right. But then continue the conversation with the um, So the audience, the audience becomes Amy, essentially. Exactly. Sort of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And, um, and each... Each conversation is underscored because I've been doing a lot of film. One thing we've talked about is I've, I've, I've done one of me making a living doing feature films, right? Right, right. right music feature films, yeah. That's the one thing. I'm... So I've learned a lot about underscore and uh, sort of scoring for like um, conversation, and that. yeah, complementing, yeah, conversations, mm-hmm. yeah. So, really, what happens is there's underscore while the story is told, while the, while, while the character then she steps forth and tells the run of the story, or Mona tells the story of the book club or um, Amy tells the story of a childhood or Jackie tells the story of the, of the canal it's underscored and at the end of the underscore the character just steps away and the song happens and each character has a song Mona's song Jackie's song the Rutherford's song um, uh, 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 they, they decorate a song Amy, uh, Amy's song and uh, so it's simple it's an underscore story song underscore story song Fantastic. so it's and there's no set no, well, it's no. just musicians, um, two actors who will, who will either uh, converse with the, with the audience and, uh, and the songs. What sort of stage is the production at at the moment? In terms of um, well, I've got it written, and um, I, I had at the moment we are. Um, it's very possible that there's a number of places that it might go. It might go to the Peckham Liberal Club, 
one. Or it might go to... That's become quite a, a big sort of performance space recently, isn't yeah, it? There's a, a yeah. jazz club that seems to be uh, playing yeah. quite frequently. So possibly there, possibly um, more likely to be the Ivy House up there. Yeah, yeah. The only problem about the Ivy House for me is um, that it's um, just a bit off the beaten track, so a lot of people come from way from like Little Keynes, Birmingham. Yeah, it's not next to the train station, it's not no, next it's, to the bus stops. Or yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and just when you've made that long trip down and you said, now you've got to get 343. Three. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure it's, people do it, but it's just like... And it is, it's the, the long-standing cultural problem of South London, yeah, where people, yeah. are, you know, aren't prepared or used to travelling yeah. that, you know, I say that far south, but it's not far south, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we were talking about a pulp song before, and uh, it was set in South London, and the, the liner notes on an album is described as like, out of London, mm. and you're like, no, it's, it's zone two, you're fine, but there is this idea that yeah. it's a way. Yeah. And, and therefore it's far away and it's not We're, you know it is it's not it, 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 for, for, for you know if you look at it equidistantly it's probably nearer than kill them right but they're just you know more of an idea of going to and you know the fact that the tube doesn't run to Beckham yeah. just things like yeah. that can just sort of like so he said that they're the one of the two places that will go I mean it was that, so it'll, it'll happen in Beckham in one of those two um uh, I was trying to get it on in the library, but when I talked to the library, they were so risky. Said, oh, yeah, it's a great idea, but you could only do it between time this time and that time, and of course you can't sound check, and then yeah. you can't. Um, da, 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 we have to have. Uh, and I just thought, no, it's not set up as a performance space, is yeah. it? Like, well, like, it, it, no, they were saying, oh, it should be a performance space. Mean, it should, and we should be able to do these yeah. things. So when you say, okay, this is the mechanics of having to do a show, so you have to, you have to, you have, to have a techno run through, you have to have. Um, rehearse in the space you have to do whatever and they were going well we can't do that because between that time and yeah. that time and then we'd have to bring in security for that and that and then you say no we can't do it then can you <laughs> and they say oh well, no we do and you say, well yeah, we yeah. can't can yeah, yeah. unless you just forget about all that yeah. <laughs> and just you know you know we won't burn the place down they're thinking they can give you a block of time you come in and do it but of course that's the reality of the situation no, is no, you put you've got to check acoustics you've got to sound check and you've got to do the show in situ you've yeah. got to do light check sound check okay it's a lot of work so anyway it's it's been written for ages um, but I've just rewritten it for the two because it was written for seven performers that's written for two and uh, music is um, written it's it's just ready really I mean I might actually very soon I might actually just go in the studio and actually make the record anyway while I've got a bit of time as a sort of which also works as a sort of promotional tool in terms of yeah the show as well whatever happened yeah exactly but so that's the thing yeah yeah so that's, that's that's here comes the rattling trees that's the um that's the next so that's almost like rather than sort of making these odd references it's just, I'm just sort of saying no no this is it this is <laughs> this is the collection um well, it sounds fascinating um, yeah well, we'll keep an eye out and certainly yeah uh, give it a shout out on the show once it's uh up and running. I mean, it's come along as well yeah, yeah please do come along i mean it's like we might do it in um on the rye in the summer, right. the cafe. I mean, that's another thing that's been opted, you know. It does um, seem like Peckham, in particular, uh, the sort of space for performance has opened up so much in the last sort of three to five years, hasn't it? Yeah. So many places. It, it, even including things like the Liberal Club, which, mm. of course, w- always would have had performance space, mm. but wouldn't have really been thought about as a place to perform, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I think the people around it didn't realise that 
Yeah. People, that there, there are people who'd want to go in. Yeah. But you know, and they realised, oh, yeah, oh wow. I mean, obviously they, they just want they want to survive. I mean, they're they're, they're old South London group of people. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And they and they they just realised they've got this resource and we want to survive. We want to keep it pretty much as it was. But well, that's it. I had an, uh, my aunt and uncle used to live on Elm Grove, and that was right. their their local, essentially liberal. Really? Stuff. Yeah, that was where uh, sort of. Sunday afternoons, they'd pop over and sort of see the neighbours. Um, Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, no, it's and and that's the thing. But and it's it's lovely for the place to have that role. Mm. But if it only has that role, and you've got you know people moving away or moving, you know, uh, and getting older, and there's not necessarily that same tradition, mm. then you need to find new purposes and new roles for the space. I think otherwise. they're very happy that people are going in and using yeah, it on absolutely. certain evenings. Well, it's, yeah, Peck and Pandemonium is the, the, the jazz club that mm. have uh, mm. done a few shows there, and it sounds uh, brilliant. And as I say, it's the perfect space for that sort of thing, isn't it? It's just so weird. I mean, I've sort of 28 years of being here now, and it's just so strange to see in the last five years it's just been kind of like a, wow, what's, wow, what's happening? Just I mean, around you, sort of. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, uh, my, my friend, my, my neighbour moved from she lived there next door for many years and she, she lives in Hanover Place now and um, she then her daughter who's 19 says I'd like peck them on a weekend evening at four in the morning it's just busy Ryland's busy because there's just so many venues yeah you've got the Bussy building you've got the, you the Palace yeah. the new one Peckham Palais whatever it's called yeah. and there's the bar in the summer French bar in the summer there's always stuff popping up and there's now there's the, the arches there's the, the new Springs. Mm-hmm.